welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is Kim Groves, hoping you have had a wonderfully blessed week. I hope you were able to dive deeper into our last topic of biblical submission. I know it can be hard as imperfect beings living in an imperfect world to submit ourselves to Heavenly Father, but be assured your crown will be waiting for you in heaven. I also hope you enjoyed our archaeological talk on the potential discovery of Jesus' home in Nazareth. Today I'm going to talk about another thing we as Christians struggle with, and that is the idea of service. Service to God and for God rely on the idea that we help and serve all of God's children, whether we agree with them or not. God reminds us throughout the Old and New Testaments that we are to serve others with joy, even when we see no obvious benefit to doing so. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7, God specifically tells the Israelites that they are to make sure they take care of the city where they are being sent for their disobedience. History would later record this as the Babylonian captivity. In verse 4, God is very specific when he tells the Israelites he is deporting them from Jerusalem to Babylon. He reminds the people that by pursuing the well-being of the city they are being sent to, it will, be, it will allow them to prosper. Here, God is not just referring to the physical prosperity of the city or the people. He is referring to the spiritual prosperity of the people as well. God urges the people to provide service to Babylon so they may show their love for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus reminds the disciples that they are set apart because the Gentiles lord their rule over the people and act as tyrants. Jesus reminds them that in order to become great over man, one must commit to being a slave. Now, slave in this context does not mean literal slavery, and I want to make that very clear. But to apply this to today's world means we must serve without expectation of secular reward. He also reminds the disciples that he did not come to be served, but to serve, giving his one life as a ransom for many lives. In Matthew 22, we see service described as love. When asked by the Pharisees what commandment in the law was supreme, Jesus replies that we are to love the Lord with all our hearts, and the second command was to love your neighbor as yourself. Here, love is the same as serve, so you could easily replace love with serve and have the exact same meaning. This leads us to understand that our service to God and our fellow man should not be done from a place of obligation, but instead come from a place of love. Service given grudgingly is not service, but more of a chore. Much like a child may go, fine, when told to pick up their toys or wash the dishes, service given in this way doesn't please God. In the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says those who have been blessed by Heavenly Father will inherit the kingdom prepared from the beginning of the world. This is also where, in verse 35, where Christ talks about those who care for the least among us is actually serving Christ. Jesus tells us that those who do not serve with love for their fellow man will receive eternal punishment. 
in John chapter 13, we see the ultimate act of service when Jesus washes his disciples' feet during the Last Supper. When the disciple Simon Peter wanted to protest, Jesus told him that he had to wash his feet and that Simon Peter would understand the significance of this event later. This is where we have to have a bit of a backstory regarding ancient Israelite practice of foot washing. Since many people of the day either did not wear shoes or wore sandals which exposed most of their feet, it was a common practice for one to wash their feet and hands before or just after entering a home. By doing so, they were deemed clean, even if they needed to bathe their bodies. When viewed in this context, and a foreknowledge of how this particular story ends, it's clear that the act of Christ washing his disciples' feet is a more easily understood concept for what Jesus was about to undertake. Jesus' action in washing his disciples' feet, this service to them symbolically cleansed and purified them, leading the way for the much larger and more significant act of service Christ would, would perform from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. While expounding on the meaning of foot washing, Jesus tells the disciples in chapter 13, verse 14, that if he, their Lord and teacher, washes their feet, they should do no less for others. He reminds the disciples in verse 16 that a servant is not greater than his master. What Christ is saying that one who serves is no better than the person he serves. In other words, the act of service doesn't make you great. The service of foot washing, and in Jesus' emphasis on it, is simply an allegory for the disciples. When he tells them to go and wash the feet of others, he isn't telling them to literally wash people's feet. He is telling them to go and serve the people after he is gone. In 1 John chapter 3, we are reminded in verses 16 through 18 that we have already seen the ultimate act of service. When Christ laid down his life for us, he set the bar for the service we should seek to do. It is often said that actions speak louder than words and that our words should match our actions. Such is how our service should look. Our actions should speak louder than our words and our actions and words should match. Service we provide to our fellow man should be done prayerfully and in keeping with the will of the Holy Ghost. We should also seek to serve quietly and with little fanfare. When we loudly announce we are serving our fellow man, we truly receive our reward in full. Many will see our service and praise us. It will be very obvious that our actions and words match, but what I like to call loud service is not necessarily service performed out of love for our fellow man, but out of love for the possible accolades we may receive. The person who serves quietly and without fanfare is more likely doing it out of love for their fellow man. These people will not only receive an amazing spiritual reward, but their service will be noticed and they will receive an extra reward here on earth. Quiet service is the best service because Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ see that service as truly serving man and the kingdom rather than serving themselves and their own vanity. Now, I've said a couple of times that our service should come out of a place of love, not only for our fellow man, but for God. In the New Testament, the original Greek word for love was agape, 
This is different from another Greek word for love, philia. One, philia, is a love between people or people and God. Think of Philadelphia being known as the city of brotherly love. The other, agape, is love based on the idea of deep appreciation and high regard. Our service is a sign of agape love for God and our fellow man. Heavenly Father knows our heart when we commit to serving and knows if we are doing it for outward reward or inward glory. When you choose to serve, you are making a choice to serve cheerfully as what people see and how you serve are a reflection on our relationship with Heavenly Father. If your service to others is simply a way to check off a box on your spiritual checklist, you're doing it wrong. Service is given freely and from your heart with an eye towards Heavenly Father. We should also be in a heart of prayer, seeking the will of the Father in whom to serve and how best to serve them. Service in agape love means tempering your compassion to make sure you are serving the person by allowing them to learn and grow on their own with only our minimal support. To sum up, serve in love, serve with your eyes towards God, serve quietly, and serve with the expectation of no earthly reward. We need to remain in a state of prayer and actively seek out those to serve. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's devotional on service. Our biblical archaeology journey this week will discuss the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys to Corinth and Ephesus. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please feel free to contact me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also look for us on our Facebook pages, Rebirth Network with a purple heart between the words and Rebirth Encouraged, also with a purple heart between the words. Until then, this is Kim Groves reminding you to stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. God bless you and have a phenomenal week.